switch. Jesus began to tell a story to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. There was an owner of the vineyard who went into the marketplace very early in the morning and he hired workers for his vineyard. He said, I will pay you the usual day's rate for a full day's work. So off they went to work in his vineyard. <clears throat> then at nine in the morning and again at midday, he went back and there were these guys standing around in the market doing nothing. So he said, go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you what is fair. So off they go. Then at three in the afternoon, he goes back again to the market. <clears throat> makes the same deal with them. And, the, and uh, another bunch of guys go and work in his vineyard. Then at five in the afternoon, he goes back into the market and he sees a bunch of guys standing around doing nothing. They've been standing there all day and he says, why are you, why are you standing around all day with nothing to do? They say, no one's hired us. And so he says to them, go into my vineyard and work. So they do. Then at the end of the day, the owner of the vineyard tells the man in charge of paying the workers, he says to them, go and give the workers their pay, starting with the ones that I hired at five o'clock. So he calls the guys who are hired at five o'clock and he gives them their money. He gives them a full day's pay. Now, the guys who were hired early in the morning thought, beauty, this is my payday. We're going to get more. We've been there all day. But instead, Jesus gives them the same amount. They start grumbling. They think to them, they say to the owner of the vineyard, that's not fair. These guys are getting the same as us and we've been there all day in the heat of the day. The owner of the vineyard says, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. I'm giving you exactly what I agreed to pay you. Why shouldn't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Why are you jealous? that I choose to be generous. Jesus turns to those around him and he says, the first will be last and the last will be first. Now, what I want you to do is turn to the person next to you and just for a couple of minutes, uh, I want you to think about a couple of questions. One, what do you think of the story? What do you like about the story? Maybe there's something you don't like about it. What is it? Secondly, what can we learn about God from the story? What can we learn about God? And thirdly, what can we learn about people? Just take a couple of minutes to discuss that with the people next to you.
No, you haven't had very much time, but... to uh, get you to do that exercise, to listen to this parable that to most of us is a pretty familiar story, isn't it? Sure, many of us would have heard it a number of times. But I want us to think of it, I want us to hear it in a different way uh, so that we can start possibly thinking about it in a different way. A simple story, but it's a story that needs to soak deep into our hearts because it tells a message that's so different to the world. In fact, it's a message that's so different to us in the way that we normally operate. The message that God isn't just, isn't just just and fair. He doesn't just give us what we deserve. He is generous. He is full of grace. He delights to give freely and abundantly what we don't deserve. And that's a message that we need to hear time and time again. Why don't you pray with me as we start? Father, we thank you for this story, this parable that Jesus told. Uh, It's a simple story, but a, a deep and a profound story. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Challenge us, encourage us. Amen. Well, as we usually do, I've got three points for us today to look at different aspects of the story. The first point is to look at the people hired first. Uh, I'll call them the early birds. Uh, The people who are hired at the beginning of the day when Jesus first goes where the owner first goes to the market. These guys were day labourers. We might think of them in terms of casual labourers. But unlike most casuals today, they're not on any kind of contract. They were hired themselves out on a day-to-day basis. They would go to the marketplace and and wait for someone to come and hire them for a day's work. That's what's happening in our story. The owner of the vineyard comes and agrees them, agrees to pay them the normal daily rate. Uh, in those days, it was a, a fixed amount. Uh, it was a denarius, however much that is in today's terms. Uh, so there are no surprises for our workers in the story. That was exactly what was expected. It was totally fair. They knew what they were going to get. And they also knew that they were in for a long, hot working day. But that's what they were signing up for. They knew exactly what they were going to get. Now, on any normal day, they'd do their day's work, they'd get their pay and go home. They'd be satisfied that they've got enough uh, to, money to uh, get by for another day. No grumbling with the boss because there's no cause for grumbling because the boss honours what he has promised to pay them. But in our story, it isn't just a normal day, isn't it? Because the boss goes out about 9am, then midday, then 3pm, and then at 5pm to get more workers. 
and they all get paid the same amount. These early birds started at maybe 7, 7, 7.30 in the morning and they're working all day, pretty much until sunset. Now, as we heard in the story, when, when the, uh, those hired at 5pm were given a full day's wage, the early birds thought this was their lucky day because surely they were going to get extra, right? Because they've been there all day, not just one hour. Have a look at verse 10. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day of the work and the heat of the day. They were whinging because they thought the boss was being unfair. But he wasn't being unfair at all, was he? He paid them exactly what he agreed to. He was being completely fair with them, while at the same time being generous to these other guys who were hired later. So who's Jesus talking to here? Who do the early birds represent? Well, we can work out from the context of uh, these chapters that it's most likely his disciples who he was talking to. If you've got your Bible open, just have a quick look at the context of the story. Remember last week in chapter 19, in the passage right before this, that Jesus met with the rich young man. Jesus has the interaction with him and he tells him to give up his money. But he doesn't want to do that. He goes away sad. And then Jesus has this interaction with his disciples. They're worried that they're going to miss out. But Jesus assures them that they won't. They'll have treasures with Jesus in the kingdom. The disciples won't miss out. Then have a look at what comes after this parable. Again, Jesus predicts his coming death uh, straight after this story. But then starting in verse tw- chapter 20, verse 20, the mother of James and John, two of Jesus' disciples think that it would be rather nice for their sons to share in Jesus' glory. Uh, That they could have a couple of thrones with Jesus. It would look rather nice, them sitting one at Jesus' left and one at his right as he rules the world. So do do you see the theme? The disciples are concerned about what they're going to get. What are they going to get? In the future, what what's their future going to look like with Jesus? They're preoccupied with the future in the kingdom, and the parable of the workers is talking about the kingdom as well. Same idea: what people are going to get in the kingdom. Jesus is identifying his disciples as those who were the early birds, those who were with him 
at the beginning. So at this point, they were, they'd been with him, walking with him, suffering with him, basically homeless, for three years, labouring, serving with Jesus. They went through so much with him. They are like the workers who had worked all day. And surely they thought they were entitled to get more. Surely they were in for a payday. They were due for a reward for all the faithful work they'd done for God. But as well as talking about his disciples, Jesus is also talking to his people through the ages who are also his disciples, people in the church, people like many of you, people who have been in church faithfully week after week, perhaps for years and years, giving your time and money to serving God and your brothers and sisters, surely you deserve something for all that hard service. Something more than the person who came yesterday, right? So natural for us to think that way, isn't it? Because that's the way that our world works, isn't it? You work, you get rewarded for it. You work more, you get more rewards for it. You get overtime, you, you study, you get, you get rewarded with a job that pays more. You get what you deserve. So the early birds work in the vineyard all day for a denarius. They get what's promised to them. But then at the other extreme were the workers hired at five in the afternoon. That's our second point. We'll call them the latecomers. Uh, as we've seen, the, the landowner, the, the owner of the vineyard, gives them the full day's pay. They, he gives them a full denarius, the same as the early birds get. Have a look in verse 6. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing there all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. So it seems that these guys had been there, standing there all day, but no one chose them for some reason. Why not? Well, probably because... No one wanted them for some reason. Perhaps they didn't look like good workers. Maybe they looked shifty or unreliable. Perhaps they were sitting around smoking weed or drinking beer and they thought, no, I'm not going to hire these guys. I wonder if you ever played one of those games at school where there were two teams and two captains. And the captains took it in turns to pick people. Uh, you know how it works. The sporty kids and the popular kids are always picked first. Uh, I was always one of the ones picked last uh, because I was unco, uncoordinated. Uh, and, you know, you would, dread, you would dread being left last. Well, these guys were picked last. The latecomers were the bottom of the pile. No one wanted them. But look at how the owner of the vineyard treats them. Verse 8. At the end of the day, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired. 
and going on to the first. He flips, flips things around. It's not the normal way things operate, is it? Normally, those who have worked hardest get paid first. They get prioritised. No, no, the owner flips things around. He prioritises the latecomers. They get paid first and they get a whole day's pay for working one measly hour. When the early birds complain to him that it's not fair that they get paid the same amount as the guys who come at five o'clock, how does the owner respond? Verse 13, he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. As we said, the owner is being perfectly fair to the early birds, but he's choosing to be generous to the latecomers. And of course we know that the reason why Jesus is telling the story is that it's an illustration of what God's like, of what his kingdom is like. He's always fair to us. He always acts justly. But he is more than just fair. He loves to be generous, gracious, giving us so much more than we deserve. Perhaps you can relate to the latecomers in the story. Maybe you feel like you've been overlooked, looked down on. Perhaps life hasn't turned, turned out the way that you've expected it. Maybe you feel disappointed or, or, or that you've disappointed other people. Uh, maybe you've disappointed yourself or even God. You feel like that. If that's you, then this story is wonderful news for you. Because in God's kingdom, the last come first. If you've always been at the end of the line, God lifts you up and puts you at the front. He doesn't give you what you deserve. He gives you what you don't deserve. That's what grace is. He isn't just fair. He is generous to you. He is a loving father. A parent doesn't just treat their children with complete fairness, right? A fair day's pay for a fair day's work. You don't treat your own kids like they're employees, do you? Because... If you're a parent, you love your kids and you are generous with them. And that often means that you show them kindness when they just don't deserve it. And if you're someone like the early birds in the story, maybe you've been a Christian for quite a long time, doing your best to love and serve God. Well, this parable is good news for you too. Because you know what? You don't get what you deserve either. 
We might think that we do, or that we should. We might think that we have stored up a few uh, rewards up in the bank with God, that we deserve a good payday in the kingdom. But the reality, friends, is that what we all deserve is death. None of us can claim to deserve God rewarding us at all. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. The writer Paul is talking about everyone here. The wages of sin is death. That's what each of us, even the very best of us, deserve. We can't earn our way with God because of our sin. But we don't get what we deserve. Instead, in Jesus, what we get is mercy, undeserved kindness, generosity. And that verse, Romans 6.23, goes on. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's significant that right after telling this parable in chapter, Matthew chapter 20, Jesus tells his disciples again in the reading we had read out to us that he's going to die. Die on the cross so that he could pay our sin, for our sin. That's how he is generous to us. We who don't deserve it. Well, our third point is that now we have a choice about how we respond to God's generosity. Are you going to take on the values of the world and just look to get what we deserve and give others what they deserve? Or will you follow Jesus who repeatedly told us not just to be just, but to be generous, as God is generous. Will you choose to live by God's economy, not the economy of the world? Jesus' economy, the economy of the kingdom that he's talking about in the parable, is described uh, yeah, in, this, in this story. It's an economy not of efficiency or even fairness, but of overflowing generosity. It's very different to the way the economy of the world works, isn't it? What makes our world go round? Well, what makes our world go round is the idea of profit, a growing economy in the lead-up to the state election. You would have heard our, our, our politicians talk uh, a lot about growing the economy. Efficiency and cost-cutting are high on the agenda. If the workers for a particular company are lucky, they'll get a fair wage. But even that so often doesn't happen, does it? Does it? Because uh, in, the, in the name of, of making a profit, it's often the poor old workers who are ripped off and underpaid. Now, of course, Jesus isn't just talking about money in this parable. It's an analogy for the way that God relates to us. And we can apply it to the way we think about the way we relate to each other. 
and the world. We are not just to deal with others by being fair and just. Of course we are to be fair and just with others. But we're to go beyond that. We're to go beyond that by being generous as God is generous. One way I think it's helpful to think about being generous is with our time, with each other, time with each other. We're used to seeing time as a valuable commodity, aren't we? And it is, certainly is. Uh, Something that we're often short of. We often talk about being time poor, don't we? And so we cherish our time and we guard it closely. I said a moment ago that the world often thinks in terms of efficiency and that includes the way that we think of time. Uh, If you're um, working in a a workplace where you're seeing clients, you, you may be encouraged to think of making that time efficient, time with your clients. We can't waste time with people or projects that aren't valuable. And as Christians, we can get sucked into that mentality, can't we? We have to make sure we spend time with the right people or we maximise our time by being as efficient as possible. Now, there is some wisdom in that. But we need to repent of the idea that time and relationships are things that we can measure by efficiency, that we can kind of somehow bean count with our time. God calls calls us to give to one another generously and that includes with our time with each other. Not efficiently, but generously. To give without counting the cost of hours and minutes that we spend with other people. To spend time with God, those who God has brought across our paths without calculating whether or not they are the important people, the strategic people, the right people for me to spend time with. Without thought about whether we are going to benefit from this relationship uh, or not. We are to give without counting the cost. And finally, I just want to finish off by thinking briefly about our attitude to those outside the church, the non-Christian world. If God's kingdom is based on his generosity to us and giving us what we don't deserve, then none of us have any reason to boast, do we? Remember I said that we all deserve death. And it's only by God's generous grace that you and I are here at all. What that means is that there's absolutely no reason for you and I to feel superior or to look down on or condemn those outside the church. God chose to be generous to us just because he does. Not because... You're better looking, not because you're smart or good. No. God chose to be gracious and generous to you because he did. That's it. And so that means that 
what we are are just beggars who know the way to the breadline. Nothing more. And our job is to show others who don't know where to find the bread. To introduce those who don't know about Jesus to his generosity and grace. And to do that with compassion, respect, patience and love. We are to be generous to those outside the church just as we are to be generous with each other. Let's pray as we get the band up. Father God, we thank you so much for this parable and the simplicity of its message, but what a profound message it is at the same time. Father, we pray that you would help it to, to sink deeply into our hearts the idea that you are generous to us, not just fair. And so we are to be generous to others. Thank you so much that you have saved us. Thank you so much that Jesus died for us. And so we have no reason to boast, but help us to be thankful and help us to look outwards with love and with generosity. In his name we pray. Amen.